Well, in light of the upcoming Christmas season, with all its feasting and, and parties, and uh, we'll probably be hosting parties, we'll certainly be invited to parties, there's going to be food, and there'll be alcohol, and uh, I thought it was a, a timely moment to speak about uh, the virtue of temperance. Actually, I'm going to talk about two, two virtues, two complementary virtues. Uh, the virtue of temperance or sobriety, especially in relation to uh, the use of alcohol, and also the virtue of what I'm going to call recreation or play. Uh, it's, uh, that is actually a virtue. Uh, there's a real technical Greek word called eutropelia, believe it or not, and it actually has to do, it's the virtue of play. Probably won't use the Greek word, okay? But um, in our moral tradition, there is the virtue of um, of play or recreation. So I'll be speaking about that. It's a it's a complement to the virtue of temperance. But uh, in uh, in light of this topic here, I thought I'd just share with you um, one of my uh, favorite recipes uh, for a dessert that involves alcohol. Um, I don't know about you, but I like desserts that have alcohol in them. It's it's very tasty. So this is my favorite one. I think probably some of us are are familiar with this recipe. Take one uh, natural-born fool and uh, five shots of liquor. Mix fool and liquor in pickup truck and set on icy road. After fool is thoroughly soaked, place one foot on gas and release brake. Finally, remove fool from wreckage, place in black box, and garnish with flowers. So that's a, a... Favorite recipe of mine, you probably are familiar with that one. Uh, so moving on here, um, let's look at these two virtues in connection to our liturgical year. We begin a new liturgical year uh, this Sunday, it's the first Sunday of Advent, and we begin year A. And so we have a whole distinct, uh, distinct set of readings all across the year. And uh, if, we, if we look at our liturgical calendar, we notice something very important about it. There's a kind of a pattern that repeats itself. And it's an alternating pattern between a time of kind of seriousness and sobriety followed by a time of celebration and joy. Okay, so and then it goes back and forth, back and forth, all throughout the liturgical year. And uh, if you notice, though, those that kind of pattern in the liturgical calendar corresponds to these two virtues that I'm talking about. So the the serious time corresponds to this this virtue of temperance or sobriety that I'll be speaking about. Uh, and then the celebratory time corresponds to this virtue of play or recreation. And uh, when we look at Advent, uh, we look, we're looking really not at the celebration time, but at the serious time, the sober time. Okay, There is, unfortunately, I think corporate America and the media have been uh, remarkably successful in uh, designing their own style of Christmas. And it, it's, this kind of Christmas season begins on Black Friday, and uh, it, pro- it proceeds all throughout December, and then it comes to an abrupt and very kind of anticlimactic end on December 25th, <laughs> and Christmas is over with. All right, that's the commercialized Christmas season. That's the Christmas season given to us by, um, you know, corporate America, the media, and whatnot. But the Christmas season that's been given to us by the Holy Spirit is different than that. It doesn't be, it doesn't end, but it begins on December 25th. And it proceeds for 12 days 
to the Epiphany on January 6th. That's the Christmas season. And that's the time for partying. That's the time for celebration for, for Christians. It really even kind of extends past that. Some say that it extends to the baptism of the Lord on January 9th. But in any event, that important moment of celebration is preceded by a, a season of sobriety and seriousness. And that's the season of Advent. And we have, it's almost got a penitential character to it. So that's why the, the purple is taken out. Purple is actually, uh, it signifies a kind of a subdued mood and a subdued tone. It's almost like black, actually. So um, we do an, uh, the other thing we do is we don't sing the Gloria. The Gloria is part of uh, the liturgy that's proper for celebration and joy. And, uh, and so we hold off on that okay, until the Christmas season. And then on Christmas Eve Mass, we'll bring back the Gloria. Uh, and also here, just our local decision, we're probably with the Our Father. You know, we've been trying to sing that. We've been doing a pretty good job with that. We'll hold off on singing the Our Father until, again, Christmas time comes. Uh, we're going to do the Kyrie. Uh, so these these little elements that change in the in the liturgy to reflect the sober, um, serious, almost penitential uh, character of Advent. And uh, I think we see this here in our in our scripture readings today. So it's very shocking if you think about it that here we are. We're in Advent, and I think a lot of people okay. We're we're waiting for the cute chubby baby to show up in the manger in Bethlehem. And our gospel reading is about the end of the world and the coming of the Son of Man. And it's this kind of fearsome prospect, okay? We've got this metaphor of a thief breaking into your house. <laughs> We've got uh, the coming of Christ, the advent of Christ being compared to Noah's flood that wipes out the human race. And so it's kind of shocking if you think about that. And I think what the lectionary in the church and the Holy Spirit is speaking to us is that this is a time of seriousness. Advent is a time of sobriety. The chubby baby who uh, we're waiting for is also the Son of Man who's going to come at the end of time as judge of all humankind. And so we need to be ready. We need to be watchful and sober. Um, and uh, so let's talk about these virtues here of um, temperance and then this other virtue of play here. We have in our second reading from St. Paul, he says, he warns us um, against, uh, he says, let us conduct ourselves properly as in the day, not in, and now, now there's this word here, it's translated orgies, I think that's a little bit of a strong translation. Many other uh, Bibles translate it as carousing, which I think is a better translation. Okay, so let us not conduct ourselves in carousing. Carousing would be a kind of a sinful version of play, not a virtuous but a vicious version of play. Okay, and then it says, "Let us not conduct ourselves in, in drunkenness." Drunkenness, again, being a, a, a vicious uh, use of alcohol. So the virtue of temperance, sobriety, especially in relation to alcohol, it's a very important uh, virtue. The the sinfulness of over drinking of drinking to an excess is pretty much common sense. You know, Mother Nature has given to us the powers of, of the ability to drink so that we can be healthy, so that we can bring nutrients into our body and, uh, and grow and be healthy. Now, if we drink milk, if we drink orange juice, okay, at a reasonable amount, uh, you know, we're fulfilling the natural end of that power of drinking. If we drink one drink of 
alcoholic beverage or two or maybe three, depending on how much we weigh, that's just fine and it can be a very rational and good use of alcohol. Uh, it creates a nice atmosphere, relaxes the nerves, so forth and so on. And, and so we're using it in a proper and reasonable manner. But when we begin to go beyond that, now that's over-drinking. Okay, so now we're starting to actually frustrate the natural purpose of drinking. Okay, and it's bad for us. Now, you can drink to an excess so much that it is considered a mortal sin. Okay, and it will compromise your salvation. Um, St. Paul is very clear about this in many of his epistles. In Corinthians chapter 6, he, right alongside of idolaters and adulterers, he puts drunkards and he says, these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. So it is possible to drink so much that you've committed a mortal sin. How do you know when the sin of over-drinking has reached the point of gravity or, or mortal sin? Well, there's three basic signs, okay? Uh, the, the first sign is that you're acting in a way that's very contrary to, the, to your character, okay, to your normal self, your normal, normal sober self. That's one sign, okay, a sure sign. Um, this, the second one is uh, that you, you lose judgment of right and wrong, okay, and that's really the, where the malice of, of um, drunkenness lies, is you're, you're vitiating, you're destroying your conscience, okay, or at least you're hurting your conscience, okay, you don't want to do that. The conscience is what enables us to, uh, you know, distinguish between good and evil, and uh, so drunkenness then can lead to other very serious sins. Okay, and then the third sign would be the it's not always present, but it sometimes is forgetfulness. So if you drink to the point where you actually can't remember the incidents or the things that you did when you were drunk, that's you know that's a sure sign of severe drunkenness. So that is, that's drunkenness proper. That's the drunkenness that St. Paul says will disinherit us from the kingdom of God. And uh, anything less than that is going to be a venial sin. Uh, but in any event, whether it's the venial version of the sin or the mortal version of the sin, uh, we, we want to avoid that. Um, and now let's look at this other thing. You know, St. Paul warns us against, against carousing. Okay, so it's kind of a vicious version of play. There is... A virtuous version of play. Play is a good thing. It can be a good thing. Recreation can be a good thing. We are involved in serious things, hopefully, if we're pursuing God's vocation on our life, if we're pursuing our state of life um, as uh, husbands and wives, as fathers and mothers, as grandfathers and grandmothers, so forth and so on. And uh, we do serious things all throughout the day. We work, okay? And uh, productive things, hopefully making our family and our community a better place. And that expends energy. Okay, it takes energy. And so what we do when we recreate or when we engage in recreation or play is we set aside a little time and uh, it's a time where we can relax and kind of regain those vital energies that we've spent doing serious things. And its purpose is so that we can be um, energized back up to go out to do the serious things and again in obedience uh, to our vocation in life. And so play has a very um, rational and, and good and natural place in our life. Uh, so we can't, we shouldn't abuse it. And in this upcoming season, my brothers and sisters, Advent and Christmas, we're going to have opportunities uh, for both of these these things, of drinking and recreation. And uh, let's use the season 
for the purpose for which God gave it to us. He gave it to us so that we can get closer to God, so we can kind of open up a space in our hearts and prepare for the coming of Jesus Christ on Christmas Day. So let's use this time not for sin, so that we get further away from God, but use this time as a as growth and virtue so that we can be all the better prepared to meet Christ when he comes on Christ, uh, Christmas Day. And I'll leave you with a final scripture here. I think it's a, it's a very helpful scripture and is a key to uh, to navigating our way down the road of virtue in, in, these, in this area, on that, in this topic. Uh, and it's a, it's a passage from um, St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians. He says, So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Okay, so if we're doing something and we can't honestly say we're doing this to the glory of God, we shouldn't be doing it. Okay, so whatever, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Uh, and that, my brothers and sisters, uh, is a recipe uh, worth following this Advent and Christmas season.